Hello, my name is Steve D'Agostino, and my co-host Anne Fernald and I welcome you to the Twice Over podcast, because to teach is to learn twice over. In this episode, Community Engagement, we are joined by Julie Gaffney, Director of Administration and Academic Development at the Center for Community Engaged Learning at Fordham University, who shares her thoughts about the importance of mindfulness, deliberation, and collaboration when engaging with the community. We're sitting here with Julie Gaffney, who is the Director of Administration and Oh, I almost had your title right. It's fine. It's a new title. Uh, Administration and Academic Development. I was so close. <laughs> for the Center for Community Engaged Learning. Um, so Julie's role at the Center for Community Engaged Learning is mostly faculty facing. And so she's really our, the faculty, the Fordham faculty support person and liaison for community engaged learning. And you've been here about 18 months, is that right? Or how long have you been here, Julie? Yeah, I started uh, April, end of April, 2019. So whatever that is, it feels like longer in some ways, but that's great. Can you just tell people a little bit about what the Center for Community Engaged Learning is and what it does? So the Center for Community Engaged Learning is just a few years old on the Fordham campus, but uh, brings together initiatives that were under the former Dorothy Day Center, as well as some student-facing extracurriculars like the Global Outreach Program, which is a kind of hybrid student club. And then, you know, it got to be so unwieldy that we've come to help out and, and administer a bit. But the center was formed you know, coming out of the idea institutionally and also from some external recommendations, you know, from middle states, from the mission priority examine, um, that community engagement is an area for growth, an area where the institution can really make an impact and, and also an area where we can support student learning objectives in a kind of, in an innovative way. The new name is is interesting. I think it, re- it responds to trends in the field right now. So we are a, now a Campus Compact member. Um, Campus Compact is the national sort of organization for community engagement and service learning. They use both terms um, because various institutions prefer one or the other. And practitioners at Fordham also do. You know, we have folks who teach service learning courses and then folks who talk as I do about community engaged learning. For me, the language I think represents, you know, almost a a kind of a cultural shift, right? And a more holistic approach to the work that we do, where we're really inviting faculty, administrators, students, and community uh, to co-create projects, initiatives, um, and to take an asset-based approach. So rather than seeking out a bunch of needs or problems to build on existing assets within the community to find ways that Fordham can be a really good neighbor in those existing initiatives and really learn from and listen to um, the folks that we are lucky enough to, to spend time with. Great. That's really helpful. And I've heard you talk about an assets-based approach before, and I really love that terminology. But for people who might not understand what it means to go into a small business or a high school or a nonprofit and kind of say, I've got a class or I've got some students or I have a research project and we're interested in collaborating with you. What does it mean to 
enter into that conversation from an assets-based approach as opposed to some other kind of approach. So the asset-based approaches has been spearheaded over the last couple of decades by John McKnight, who has published some really deliciously non-academic sounding academic texts about it um, and also has a variety of sort of videos out there. Um, he really, he seems like he's in your living room when he's talking to you. So for us, an asset-based approach, it really starts with listening, right? That you're listening to to what folks in the community who are working at nonprofits, who are part of community-based organizations or informal associations, who are, you know, individuals, activists, organizers, um, really listening and asking open-ended questions to start the relationship. So, you know, what are you building? What are you working on? What are your goals this year? You know, right now, um, what's going on for you with the pandemic? For some of our partners, it means that they are working with four or five times the number of constituents they were. For other folks, they're kind of trying to reroute and find new ways to, to do what they have been doing. So for us, you know, and I think as as academics and as leaders, we tend to approach situations looking for problems to solve, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's a great thing and it's an asset and it does come into play <laughs> in community-based work. But, you know, it's a, I think it's something I'm constantly trying to remind myself of because I'm also very action-oriented to, to start by asking and listening and then to build the partnership to build the initiative based on what's already going on and what strengths everyone can bring to the table because our students have strengths to offer, our community partners do, our, our faculty and administrators. And so to find ways in which we can serve as a really strong connector and leverage the various strengths that are um, being brought to the table in order to, and, and to support existing efforts rather than sweeping in with something kind of new that we've, we've fabricated behind the, behind the, the gate and then we are gonna kind of propose, right? So, so if I were just a typical faculty member or instructor who wanted to integrate community engaged learning into my course, like how would I do that? What would I do and how should I go about thinking about this? Yeah, so there's a couple different things to do. I mean, the first thing, and I wish I had more of a sort of a um, really crystallized time timeline or set of steps, but really the first thing I would say is give me a call. <laughs> um, and and we, I'd love to, you know, I really love getting to know Fordham faculty, hearing about their work, about their teaching, and um, and hearing a little bit about, you know, there's always something that makes you want to to incorporate experiential education or or community engagement. So what is it? And just kind of start to have a conversation there. In our in our non-COVID times, I have the a joke with the my staff that I spend half my time getting on coffee dates because I'm always asking faculty to meet me for coffee. But um but there are there are some other you know what what we would start with if you were interested I would invite you to join a faculty work group so these are groups of faculty about twelve folks who meet uh, once a month over the course of either the academic or the calendar year just depending on what semester you start um, and they're really communities of practice so they're conversational they're supposed to be participatory and democratic and um, we spend the first half of the our time together developing 
courses and then the second half doing a little bit of a deeper dive into some community engaged learning practice and theory and pedagogy. Um, so I would, you know, I'm always looking for folks to to join us and it's it can be really fun because we often get a great mix of people who do different kinds of work and it can be fun to talk about what a writing assignment would look like in a marketing class compared with a psychology class, you know, compared with an English lit course. Um, but so, you know, you would develop your course proposal and most folks start with a course they already teach. It's not, you know, sometimes we do build brand new courses around a community engaged learning project and that's fantastic. But typically we'll start with something that you already teach and take a look at the syllabus, take a look at what you did in the past, what you're trying to get out of this new version of it, and then start to think about some possible partnerships and some projects. So now, you know, now that we're in this flexible hybrid model, many faculty and instructors are teaching fully online. I imagine that there are new challenges to, to community engaged learning in the current environment. Absolutely. Yeah. It's tough to be out in the community when you're under quarantine, we've learned. So, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of our courses this past spring and courses that we had been planning for the fall um, have undergone pretty profound shifts in the community engagement project or program. Um, so a lot of folks who you know, a lot, honestly, a lot of the in-person work just came to a full stop mid-spring, and we tried to come up with some innovative ways to continue the work. Some folks took um, their reflections and their observations online and created an online archive. Um, other partners were able to offer and, and are increasingly able to offer virtual alternatives for engagement. So, you know, a lot of our education partners are looking for virtual tutors, for instance, or for, for folks to create asynchronous materials with them. Um, so that's been an area. But I think increasingly, one of the things that I have found useful and heartening about the the shift to the virtual model is that it has enabled us to rethink the role of especially community leaders in the community engaged learning classroom and to invite expert practitioners into the classroom of course you know based on their availability and interest um, to you know, really to serve as a co-instructor for a particular project, for a module, for a, a set of classes, or to lead a reading group or a discussion group. For instance, um, this fall, we have Flores Forbes, uh, who works over at Columbia, but um, is the author of the book In Invisible Men, not Invisible Men, Invisible Men, um, which describes his experience of incarceration and re-entry. And so he's leading a discussion group with a set of Fordham undergraduates who are all enrolled in um, diversity in American families. Um, and so, you know, in a way it has enabled us to kind of upend the power structure in a way where in it often, you know, despite our best efforts, we've got an instructor, we've got a set of students, and then we kind of have a community partner who provides a community engaged learning experience. Um, when we are inviting a community expert into the classroom to really lead a project, it it creates this kind of powerful tension where 
um, we have to seed, you know, you have to seed um, authority for, for those classes and, and it can be, it can be interesting. Um, you know, we're just starting out, so we'll see how it goes. How did you get interested in this work, Julie? Yeah, so I, um, I did not start out my career as a community engagement <laughs> specialist. Um, I did a PhD in English Lit. I'm a medievalist. Um, and I did that degree at the CUNY Grad Center. And while I was a student there, I started teaching at John Jay College. Um, which is right near the Lincoln Center campus. And um, I really love, still love, I love teaching. Um, but I came to an interest really in policy through my work teaching at CUNY where I had fantastic students and, um, you know, really great classes. And then often had students coming to office hours at the end of the semester um, you know, a semester in which they had performed really well saying, you know, I don't think college is for me. Um, yeah. And so I began to get, you know, really invested in and interested in um, student success. And I really was focusing mostly in the CUNY and SUNY systems at the time. And I developed a um, sort of a side career as an educational evaluator of student success programming, but I really started kind of looking at um, what happens for really great college students when they can't make it to graduation um, or, you know, when they, uh, they feel like college isn't for them. Um, and so that was my, that was kind of my, my, where my interest in um, in policy came from and I wanted to ground my understanding I guess in a little bit more uh, policy driven work and so I, I took a postdoc working for Governor Cuomo um, right after the PhD and I, I was his New York City briefer so I didn't only work on education I worked on everything he did I wrote his briefing book every day for the next day. So I lived oh, one, wow. day, one day in the future always. <laughs> he was less famous then than, I'm, than he is now. Now he's like sure. Mr. COVID. My sister just sent me a picture of him getting his flu shot. He's like on his Instagram. Um, but working with him, I started to get a better understanding of, um, at least at the state level, kind of some of the... Um, the ways that larger scale policy gets created and enacted. And I, I took some of what I learned there, went back into the CUNY system and worked then um, in administration, mostly at Hunter College on student success programming. And I was there kind of when the Excelsior um, program was rolled out, which on the governor's end, you know, everybody's like, this is amazing. We created this thing. And then I go, <laughs> I'm working at Hunter and it's a zoo, right? It's to, to, unpack it. Um, and so through through that work in student success, I began to do a lot of community engaged learning, um, especially with education partnerships. So I started working with middle schools and high schools um, and looking at pipeline programs, looking at um, the ways that community organizations and groups inform uh, and build toward student persistence um, and student completion. And, you know, I was lucky enough to 
in a way to kind of get in a, on the ground floor in the construction of the Center for the for Community Engaged Learning. I mean, I came in after it had been created, but um, while we were still building out our um, our goals and our projects, and uh, so I'm, I'm really happy that I have the opportunity to do that here. It sounds to me like you're working to develop, to help faculty develop projects for students to have a certain kind of learning experience. And I guess maybe this is a way to, to divide it out, right? There's what a student gets out of it in a course. And that's a 15 week experience for the student. And that's kind of where you were saying where you started, right? And so, you know, there's that. And then there's what Fordham does as an institution in forming an ongoing partnership right. with a community organization. And then somewhere in the middle of that timeline is what a faculty member does who maybe can only teach this course every third semester or every fall, right? And so the faculty member doesn't have a 12-month relationship with the community organization, but the faculty member might have a relationship, you know, kind of occasionally over the course of a semester. So I guess those layers, I'd be interested in hearing you talk about how you think about those layers of engagement, um, the, what the students get out of it, what it matters to for faculty, and then what our responsibility as an institution is. Layers is exactly the way to put it. And, you know, in the best kinds of place-based initiatives, um, you're never doing one thing, right? You are maybe you're running a course and then you're also supporting a, um, a tutoring or a kind of a, a volunteer, right? You're, you're providing an influx of volunteers when, when asked. Um, and then maybe you're also supporting uh, a, a white paper or a design project or a research. And, and that takes, it, it takes, time and I think it takes engagement not only from the center I mean if the center can do one thing we can connect right and so for Fordham I think what we're looking for is really to kind of galvanize a group of people um, faculty students administrators leaders who are going to take up these relationships and support and kind of build in partnership um, these multifaceted projects or uh, modes of engagement. Um, I mean, it might, it, I feel like that sounds a little bit abstract too, but, um, but I think too, the, these practices, you know, this is not um, out of keeping with what you were just describing and in terms of decolonizing the, um, the curriculum and looking at right at standard English, one of the things that I loved doing when I was teaching uh, middle English was to show an old English was to show how standardization comes about just from somebody making the same mistake over and over until we decide that's the way we say the word right in just like in thinking about standardization right to be like it's all just a bunch of mistakes and like let's look at the different ways that that spelling has evolved and you know when you are writing your cover letter you do have to stick to this particular set of mistakes that we've decided are the right ones 
but that doesn't mean that they're any better than the, this other these other um, modes of expression. And and I guess for me, you know, kind of circling back to your your larger question before, like I think that that is community engaged learning as well. I think that those classroom practices, when you are dismantling um, assessment practices that are oppressive, right? When you are um, deconstructing standardization or kind of myths of you know, what's right and wrong. I think that those are very much, not only are they in keeping, they are really integral um, to a an institutionalization of community engagement because they promote social justice. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's a lofty goal, but I think that that's kind of what we need to go in for. <laughs> I don't want to say what faculty get out of working with you because I don't want to be instrumentalist, but that's kind of the, where I'm aiming at, right? But um a transformation you've seen in a faculty member you've worked with, you know, what, what you've seen that's something that took you by surprise or that really inspired you in watching a faculty member um, move through the working group and then implement their project in a semester? Well, I'll say one thing about, and this has been a common thread with, with work group participants, so not calling or talking about anyone in particular, but um, often even folks who are really interested in community engaged learning are really worried about the time commitment and also the, you know, the intellectual and emotional commitment um, of trying to kind of build this, these projects out. Um, and I think what has surprised me is I often, especially early in the work group, will hear from folks, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have the time to do this. I don't think I'm going to be able to get the course proposal in. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to teach it. And it's like every time somebody says that, I get an email that night with whatever it is that the, that the faculty member wants to do. And also just saying like, I'm actually really excited about this. <laughs> yeah, so it's this kind of push and pull a little bit, but I think it's, I think it's healthy and I think it's really good. And I guess what I hope to do is create a space for that because, um, but right now, and, and there are creative ways to do it. We have amazing faculty members publishing on their community engaged learning research and, you know, it's, but for faculty, this is about, it's about them. It's about what they want for their students. It's about what they want for the institution and for the community and like how they want to play a role and be a partner. And so I think creating a space for that push and pull is really important to me to, to recognize that, yeah, it's not going to feel like some, I mean, what work we do we do that feels like something we want to do every day when we get up? Like some days it's going to feel like too much and that's okay. And I think some of the kind of most creative projects have come from faculty who, yeah, signed up for it, but who were always kind of worried about not getting it done, not sure they had the time, and then would come up with these super creative ideas. <laughs> and I would just say like, yeah, go for it. This is great. What can, what can I do to make this happen? Um, That's awesome. So you told us a little bit, we're getting to the end of our time. You told us a little bit about what your dissertation advisor meant to you, but I'm wondering if, if you want to say a little bit more about him as a teacher for you or another teacher in your past who whom you really learned a lot from. Well, I'll talk a little bit more about Steve, um, Steve Kruger. Um, he is at the CUNY Grad Center. He also teaches at Queens 
college um, because every almost everybody in CUNY has a dual placement if they're at the grad center. They also have a, a sort of like a home institution. Um, and, you know, he maybe wasn't the most intuitive choice. He's a medievalist, but I asked him to work with me because I love the way he writes. And I think the way that somebody writes, I think it really, even when it's academic work, I think it really shows you how they think and how they feel. And um, he, I think he sh sort of, he showed me, um, I think he showed me that you can combine attention to detail and academic rigor and really high standards with compassion. Um, and I think it's, I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but like, I don't think that we really go in for that too much these days. I think, and I think we tend to create a dichotomy where it's like, either you live up to these standards or I can be nice to you. But he, I mean, I remember him, like, I was always so nervous to show him my writing. Um, and he was always really thoughtful, but he also had no problem at all being like, this chapter doesn't work. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta do this one again or or just get rid of it you know but it was like the way that the way he did it and and also the way that was how I knew too that um when I did something well that he that he liked it um and he let me take a lot of risks um in in some of my work and kind of move outside of uh I wrote in, in late 14th century text but I also did a Milton chapter I did an Augustine chapter so he let me play around, but he never let that come or his own um, kind of gentleness and kindness compromise the academic integrity of the work. So that is what I aspire toward um, as an educator myself. Wow. What a great, what a great. Julie, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to talk to that you wanted to make sure you got a chance to say? On October 29th at 5 p.m., we will host a, an event also virtual featuring Sarah Alvarez from Queens College. She is a community engaged learning practitioner and an English professor. She specializes in comp and rhetoric, and she will be in conversation with some of her community partners to talk a little bit about her approach. So I'm really excited about both of them, and I hope that, uh, hope that listeners will join us. Julie, thank you so much for your time. It was really great to talk to you. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad that I was able to, to join. I really appreciate you having me. Twice Over Podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, with new episodes appearing twice each week. For host and guest bios and show notes, please visit our website, twiceoverpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TwiceOver1 or email us at TwiceOverPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.